Hello and welcome to Joko Yo. Like many people, hundreds of thousands at least that came to the Virginia coast in the 1600s, John Hinton probably had hopes and dreams of becoming a wealthy lord like the kind he saw in England. He never could be one. That's, that's insane. You have to own land to be a lord. They were different from him, better maybe. They were considered lords over lands of their own, like rulers. People like him were just subjects to them. To be a subject to a lord meant that you were, well, subject to their wills and their wants, and your life was subject to theirs. You did as they told you. For the hundreds of thousands that came here, it was a chance to be a lord themselves, if not over other people, at least over their own lives. Nearly none of them became lords over vast lands. The ones that came, yeah, for most of them it never happened, but for some it did. Very few, but most, yeah, can't be a lord here either. John Hinton was one of those that did not. Now, John Hardy, on the other hand, he did. With land came power and influence, and John Hardy had both in the Chowan district between the late 1600s and early 1700s. John Hinton, he did not. But John Hinton married John Hardy's daughter, Mary, And while John Hinton never achieved local greatness, he did get a comfortable life, becoming a farmer, carpenter, cooperer, one time justice of the peace, and achieved the rank of colonel in the local militia. He didn't have much to leave his 11 children, but his reputation and respected name when he died in 1732, that was worth something. His wife remarried and moved north. His daughters got married, some out of necessity, and his sons had to find their own ways. It is one of his sons, also named John, whose journey we're going to follow. See, John the son, probably as a result of a combination of his father's reputation, his grandfather's stature, and his own enterprising spirit, that he was granted a parcel of 640 acres of land, of his own in 1739 as one of the first families of the newly created Craven County. It didn't hurt. They also had trained to be a surveyor. If you don't know about how important surveying was in the colonial period, I got some stories to tell you. The land was described as having an open grazing land suitable for a near limitless number of heads of livestock in a burnt marsh. Now, that's important. A burnt marsh, that burnt marsh part, doesn't sound like it's really worthy of mentioning, but the colonial period, burnt marshes served as a nearly impenetrable barrier between Native American settlements and the English settlers. That means for John Hinton, it was safe. It also bordered both sides of the Noose River, making it well-watered, easily irrigated, fertile soil. The newly created Craven County stretched from the quickly growing town of New Bern with a clearly defined northern border 
a clearly defined southern border. The western part, well, nobody knew how far that went because it was never really defined. The western border simply stretched west. Where does it end? It ends in the west. And it would do so until a new county needed to be carved out of it due to population growth. And North Carolina is no stranger to population growth, if you haven't told or been able to see that lately. A new county was carved out of Craven by necessity only seven years after it was itself created. See, growth in North Carolina has always been happening. John Hinton's new property meant that he was on the western edge of Craven County, almost at the frontier now. He indicated that it was his intent to establish a home on his grant. He would eventually build a log home on the south side of the Noose River, which could be entered only by climbing a ladder to the upper portion, leaving the lower portion uninhabited as a protection from marauders and Native Americans and wild beasts, and definitely frontier life. Later, he replaced that home with another on the opposite side of that river, but it was his land to do so with. And one of those bricks has been preserved and is on display in a local landmark. Over the years, John built a prosperous farm beside and surrounded by others that would pop up around him. He eventually owned thousands of acres running up and down the Noose River. In some places, his property stretched four contiguous straight miles. Now, it needs to be said, as can be said of anyone that becomes wealthy or powerful or both, John did not succeed on his own. There's no such thing as a self-made person, especially in this period. Just as there is no such thing as a self-made millionaire in these days or any days because they didn't do it, didn't do all the work themselves. I mean, even people that become wealthy because they patent and sell an invention well, they owed their wealth to the people that bought their inventions. John relied on the labor of others to be successful, and in this period, that agricultural labor tended to be done by people that had been enslaved. John Hinton was no different. Not going to beat around the bush and not going to sugarcoat it. He relied on the enslaved labor of people named Mingo, Briscoe, and many others. This grant of land was nearly as far up the Noose River from New Bern as English settlement had kind of ever been. This grant was on the frontier, even if Hinton was not your typical frontiersman. He was a surveyor, which was the main point of him getting the grant. It was also the first documented grant of ownership of land in what is now considered Wake County. Hinton's house stood approximately six miles east of Raleigh. Indeed, it was also becoming the capital eventually of the future state of North Carolina. It's entirely dependent on John Hinton's grant, the first documented and deeded landowner in the county. Now, from his base, John Hinton, his home on top of this rocky point on the south side of the noose, he could and would be paid by the North Carolina colonial government to venture out, survey lands, mark what he saw and interact with his environment. And then the way it worked 
A surveyor was sometimes granted property of hundreds of acres, explored it, marked what he saw, then went to surrounding places and did the same, often acquiring properties for himself along the way. Generally, first the surveyor came, then the settlers. Surveyors drove, like John Hinton, surveyors drove early American history. Proof? Well, here's a list of other surveyors from early American history. George Washington, Daniel Boone, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Banneker, Abraham Lincoln. And why do you think it was Lewis and Clark that were sent to Louisiana Purchase? To exercise? No, they were surveyors. And add to this list, Mr. John Hinton. He is not as big as those guys were. But it really depends on a matter of scale, doesn't it? If surveying marked one for later influence on history, John, he's no exception. And you'll see that in the next episode. And thanks for listening. Until next time, y'all be good.